let's pray this morning. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. God, we want to go deeper. God, just as we're singing oceans, my favorite song. I cannot believe we Cheyenne of all the songs this morning that God downloaded to our heart. Oceans. God, just take us deeper in a world that seems so uncertain right now. We're reading about hatred and we're reading about uncertainty and we're reading about injustice. God, if you get caught up in the present scene circumstances, you will drown. But God, you give us a vision. You give us a vision that the trumpets will sound. The heavens will open. And you will return. That we can spend eternity with our creation. May we live in that vision this morning, God. Call us above our circumstances this morning. And God, whatever you speak in, through, and around me this morning, may it be straight from heaven this morning. May it not be from Coach Drew. May that fall on deaf ears. But what the Holy Spirit would have heard this morning, God, I pray it would resound in the hearts of each person that is in this room, including myself. God, we love you so much, and we're thankful for the gift of your son, Jesus who poured out his life, that overcame death. May we live in that vision, God. Thank you so very much for loving us so much. We're so unworthy and undeserving, God. For it's in your name, amen. You know, we are in a world that is uncertain. You know, every, everything you read right now, I, I, I get up this morning, and the first Instagram post I see is from my dear friend, Tanya Richard. And she posts on Instagram that there's been five arsons in African-American churches around the South the last six days. We have a Supreme Court justice ruling that's bringing up all this uncertainty and all this discussion. We have the, 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 the Charleston killings. We have a sports icon this morning that Sports Center headlines And he says in his quote, and this is direct from Kobe Bryant himself, one of the greatest basketball players that has ever played on this planet. He says, relationships will come and go, but banners hang forever. That's what our our kids, that's what our vision is right now. We're getting poured out with all of these images and all of these things. And time seems so uncertain maybe more uncertain than any time I could ever remember in my life. Nashville itself, this community is going through a transformation. Maybe you've not paid close attention, maybe you have, but Nashville is transforming. The latest statistics show that Nashville itself in the next 25 years is going to grow at an 80% growth rate. No place in the world is going to grow at the rate that Nashville is going to grow at. So even this community is changing. We have a mayoral race right now where leadership is going to change. All of these things are going on. And if you find yourself totally invested in your present day circumstance, you will die. You know, John has done an incredible job the last couple of days and the last couple of weeks of talking about the spirit. 
And he talked about the Holy Spirit comes to convict. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort. And then the Holy Spirit comes to confirm that he's proud of us, that he loves us, that he's here for us. He's here to fight for us. He's here to intercede for us. And this morning, I wanted to continue along that same path and talk about that the Holy Spirit leads to contentment. I can try as hard as I possibly can, and I cannot make myself more content. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. So the question is this, as I heard us singing oceans corporately this morning, are you somebody that lives in the seen circumstances of your day? Or are you somebody that lives in vision of what's to come? If you find yourself invested in the seen world, you will drown. As I prayed, there is going to be a day. The trumpets are going to sound. Heavens are going to open up. And the creator is coming home to get his creation. That's the vision I choose to live in. That's the vision I choose to live my life by. Because if you don't, you will get choked and you will drown. On January the 8th of this past year, gentleman by the name of Rob Conrad. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. Rob Conrad was a former great NFL player for the Miami Dolphins. Rob Conrad is 38 years old. He's now retired from the NFL, and he now is an investment banker in South Florida, highly successful. Rob Conrad, on January the 8th at 10 a.m., decided to get on his boat by himself. He's a lover of deep sea fishing, and he went on a deep sea fishing tour by himself, 10 miles off the coast of South Florida. Rob was doing what he always does. He's casting his line, and for whatever reason, this particular day, he didn't have on a life vest. He hooks a big fish, and the fish pulls him overboard. 10 miles in the middle of the ocean off the coastline. The boat is set on a 10-mile-per-hour troll headed toward the Bahamas. He is in the middle of the ocean. No status, no riches, nothing in that moment can save him. He has no cell phone no life vest. He is in the middle of the ocean in the most dire circumstances you can find yourself in. What is a man to do? The story goes, Rob had a choice to make. He could either wish or pray or start swimming. He chose to start swimming. Rob Conrad swam, they said, over 27 miles because he had to swim against the current. It took him 16 hours of swimming in the deep ocean. Jellyfish sting so severe his body swelled. Sharks circling, dead of the night. Dehydration so severe that 
The salt they said that he had taken into his mouth, his tongue was the size of a golf ball. Hypothermia. How does a man overcome something like that? If he focused on his circumstances in that moment, he would have drowned. He chose to have a different vision. He started to swim. And as he endured those things and muscle atrophy set so severe into his body that he couldn't even stroke through the water, he pictured his two daughters on that beach and he kept swimming. And he kept swimming. And he said when he felt like he couldn't swim anymore, he had both of his daughters on his shoulders stroking the water because he had a vision that he was going to see those, his daughters again. He overcame scientific odds, literally supernatural that he could even survive because his vision of seeing his daughters was so strong that it overcame his circumstance. I love that story because it's a powerful reminder of how strong vision is. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4.11, we'll start in the second part of verse 11. We're going to hear from another warrior, fighter, survivor, Paul himself in the letter to the church there in Philippi. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, it's amazing this morning as God was kind of downloading to my heart contentment. It's not really a word that I use. It's not in my vocabulary. It's not something I, I really focus on. But contentment, what is contentment? When you start to really think about what is it, what does it mean to be content? And I read what Paul said here, and I think it's just so powerful because this is a guy that has overcome people chasing him, trying to take his very life, have imprisoned him. He has gone days without meals homeless, nowhere to sleep, and he's talking about, I know what it is to be content in every situation. Rob Conrad himself, in the middle of the ocean, yeah, he was facing situation that was dire in need, was content because his vision was strong. Paul had a vision that one day, one day, he's going to stand beside us as the creator comes back, and he was content, and he was confident knowing that. So what does contentment mean? It means being totally satisfied with where you and I are right now. I heard Cheyenne say, are, are you praying for it? Like now, now, not, not later, not if, not when, now. You know, life is a constant battle. You start thinking about it. The ways of the world is so strong. The pressures of the day, the stresses of the day, the status, approval, inflation of self, importance, riches, bank account, all of those things are so strong and in directly is in opposition of the way that God would have us live our life. 
So we're going to jump into a couple of things this morning. We're going to focus on three main areas as it relates to contentment. We're going to focus on control. We're going to focus on circumstances. And we're going to focus on confidence. There's no better example as I was thinking about this today. And I was thinking about what God would have me share with you this morning. Um, This picture is of my two sons, Patrick and Nicholas. And I want you to really look at their faces. I want you to look at their eyes. I want you to look at their smiles. I want you to look at the joy that they have in their face. Because the amazing thing to that picture right there, that picture was taken in fall of 2010. We brought them home December 15th, 2010. What that means is when that picture was taken, They had no family. They were in an orphanage in the middle of Jinja, Uganda, with no hope, no friends, no family, no mom and dad, not really certain where the next meal was even going to come from. But look at the joy on those boys' faces. When I got that picture right there, it stuck me in my tracks. And it was one of those moments that, Shine, you prayed about, like, now. I saw that picture. It came through the email, and I saw it, and I said, God, what am I living for? Look at that. Look at them. They have taught me more about contentment and joy and the way you should live your life. God used those boys in a way that I could never imagine. He's used them to change my life. Look at the joy on their faces. That's Patrick. That's Nicholas. Patrick at that time just had turned three years old in August. Nicholas was two years old. His birthday was in January, coming up to turn three. And yet, look at the joy that they had to live their life. Content. I want to live like that. Don't you want to live like that this morning? So the first thing I want us to think about as we think about this, the control in your life belongs to the creator, not to you and I. You know, I'll let you in on a little secret about myself. I'm a little OCD for those that love me and know me. They know I like things to be very organized. If you go to my closet, all my shirts line up to the West. You know, my my jackets, my shoes are lined up by color. My shirts are lined up by color. I have deodorants lined up. You know, all those things. Like, I'm I'm like, I need medication kind of thing. You know what I'm It was symbolic, though, of how I live my life. I don't know if you can, this resonates with you or or if you can even relate to this, but for so long, I tried to control every outcome and circumstance that went on in my life because I felt that with that success or with that approval or with that status, my life would be complete and I would be content. And what I found was there's not enough wins. There's not enough transactions. There's not enough commission checks. There's not enough songs that can be cut. There's not enough, 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 because there's always more. And so I found myself just discontent all the time because my identity was firmly grounded in outcome. 
And I love this in First Chronicles 29. It says this, and this is taken from the Living Bible. And so I love this because it just makes it very simple for me to understand. It says, everything in the heavens and in the earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. And this is the part that I love as it relates to what we're talking about this morning. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. You know, that that verse right there is directly opposite of what the world tells us, that destiny is in our hands. Go make something of yourself. Pull yourself up and go make a name for yourself. This passage is talking about God's way. He's in control of all. And so contentment, the first part of contentment is opening your hands up and letting loose of control in your life. You can't have enough. You can't achieve enough. There's nothing you can accomplish that's going to fill the heart, the hole in your heart that only God himself can fill. You know, I was thinking about this too. You know, we got to stop playing. We got to stop playing. We got to stop playing. You know, America, it's not baseball anymore. It's certainly not the NFL. America's favorite game right now is called the Blaine game. And we're really good at it. We're really good at critiquing, and we're really good at making ourselves feel better at the expense of others. And we're really good at doing all of these things to make ourselves feel more important and more control of the outcomes to make us have an inflated view of self. So today, the control in life belongs to God himself, not to you and I. Number two is a tough one. Because I don't know how many of you feel like me this morning that the circumstances in your life are choking you. And this was this one is really, really tough. Because it, whatever the circumstances are in your life, remember, God is working you toward maturity. Otherwise, what that means, and we're going to get to a verse where that is used, but what God is telling us this morning is whatever is going on in your life, trust the struggle. God's just taking you higher. He's taking you to the next level. You got to trust the struggle, whatever is going on in your life this morning, whatever the circumstances, whatever the uncertainty, whatever is going on in your life, trust that God is taking you to the next level. He's taking you higher. So sometimes God delivers us from our circumstances, but other times God delivers us through our circumstances. You know, there's a, there's a thing that and we'll show a picture of Serena Williams up here. And Serena Williams has become one of the great tennis champions of our time. And there is statistical evidence that shows the difference between good and great and champion-level tennis players are in between games. When they come over and they take their break, the champion-level players like Serena Williams can actually, regardless of the circumstance or the pressure or the point in the match, they can get their heart rate to actually drop. They can be totally calm in the eye of the storm. The great Dale Earnhardt, another example. I love this story I found as we were talking about this. 
tragically passed away. Do I have some racing fans in the room this morning? A couple of racing fans. The great Dale Earnhardt, as he sat in the line waiting for the green flag, his heart rate would actually drop as it got closer to the race beginning. Now, imagine sitting in a machine that's about to travel 200 miles per hour. You're going to be about that close to the next car near you, and your heart rate is actually dropping as you get closer to beginning the race. How can that happen? And I love the worship team talked about Jesus in the boat asleep. And the Bible says in Matthew 8 that it was a furious storm, but Jesus himself slept. The great ones, even in struggle, trust. You know, right now, God, he's at work. And he may not be early, but he's certainly not going to be late. You have to trust that. James 1, 2 says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish the work so that you may be mature or go to the next level or go higher and complete, not lacking anything. Trust the struggle this morning, whatever circumstances are going on in your life. How many of us feel like we have sharks circling us right now in the dead middle of the ocean? Trust that God is at work. He is at work. He's just taking you to a different place. He has a bigger purpose, a bigger calling, and he's building you up, and you're right around the corner from it. Just hang on. Trust the struggle. God's taking you to the next level. The third point I want to talk about this morning as it relates to contentment. We talked about control quickly. We talked about circumstances. It's consistency. And this is this is this is very difficult. You know, the 2012, and I know I got some Alabama football fans in here. The 2012, do I have some Roll Tide this morning? Yeah. 2012, the Alabama football motto that is inscripted in the inside portion of their rings, it says this, keep carrying the water until it becomes wine. Keep carrying the water until it becomes wine. What that means is, is what Nick Saban was trying to tell his team is, trust the process. Even when it's difficult, just keep chopping. Just keep chopping. Just keep trusting. Be consistent in your approach. Trust the process. We'll keep carrying the water. It will turn to wine. I love this about somebody that's near and dear to your heart here at this church. Bring up the next picture. If you don't know who that is, that's Evan Ragsdale. Tell you a story about Evan Ragsdale since he's not here. I guess we are being taped, so we can. I love Evan for a lot of things. So many things. God's building him up to be a mighty warrior in his kingdom, and I know that. But Evan is probably, and I've I've been around some high-level workers, some guys that worked on their craft. 
I don't know that I've ever met anybody that works at hard at his craft as that young man right there. Evan worked so hard at his craft, he had to go to the doctor two years ago because he had a knot form on his elbow. Now, I've never heard this before. I've been around basketball my entire life. The doctor said, that knot isn't anything you need to be concerned with. You're shooting too many baskets, and you have formed an abnormal effect on your elbow because you're shooting too much. So my prescription to you is don't shoot so much. That's amazing. Evan, in eighth grade, I had to meet with him in my office. I meet with every single player that does a tryout in middle school. We don't post a list at CPA. So we meet with every young man, whether you make it or you don't make it. And I remember having to deliver bad news to Evan that he was not going to make the eighth grade team. Evan had a choice at that moment. He could have either drowned in self-pity and stopped. But Evan says that was the catalyst that propelled him to this work ethic to begin to change. This last year, Evan, as a junior on our basketball team at CPA, started every game for us and shot an unheard of. I've never heard of this in all of my years of college, of, uh, college or high school basketball. He shot over 50% from three-point. Okay, just to put it in perspective, the greatest shooters in the world, and we'll talk about one here in a second, shoot high 30s, maybe 40% is unheard of. Evan Ragsdale, right there making a three-pointer at the state tournament this past year, shot over 50%. How do you do that? Okay, yeah, God gave him a gift. But Evan has worked and worked and been consistent every single day of being disciplined to be better at his craft. Oh, Evan Ragsdale is an amazing story. Another amazing story is this. Y'all know who that is? Steph Curry. Steph Curry was from a high school named Charlotte Christian. He had one scholarship offer to Davidson University. That was the only scholarship he had. Steph Curry kept working at his craft. He kept working at his craft. He kept working at his craft. He was consistent in his approach this last year most valuable player, the highest honor in the world in his profession. How does a man do that? How do you go from one scholarship offer to the best player in the world? How does Evan go from being cut in eighth grade to three years later making 50% at the highest level of high school basketball? Consistency, discipline, trusting the process, and trusting the struggle, and it did not allow them to stop. So this morning, Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man, since you knew that you would receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Evan understands that principle. Steph Curry is a godly man. He understands that principle. Control, circumstance, Consistency lead to contentment. Philippians 4.11 says this, 
back to the top. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether hungry or well-fed, living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who give me strength. This morning, God's calling you to a higher place. God's calling you to go higher. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever the struggle, whatever the uncertainty, whatever you're waiting on him to deliver, right now he is building you up to be taken to the next place. So in closing, I want to say this. True contentment is a work of the Holy Spirit. And we have unlimited access this morning because of the work of Jesus on the cross. True contentment is achieved by learning to rely on God and resting in the knowledge he is sovereign and in control. True contentment can be yours this morning because of the offering of eternal life through Jesus Christ himself. God just gave me these four points just real quick as I was thinking this morning to leave you with this. Closing application. This morning, we got to stop looking for blessings to come into our lives and start looking to be a blessing in someone else's life. Number two, be where your feet are. Think about that. Be where your feet are. Be present. I love number three. God just gave me as I was sitting over there singing oceans. Stop being so interesting and be interested in others. And the last one is this that I want to leave you with as an encouragement to all of us this morning. In the midst of a world that is uncertain and in the midst of this world that is seeming to be in utter chaos, God gave each of you an incredible gift. Now quit playing and go share it. I'll close with this. Thank you again for having me this morning. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts to piggyback on John's incredible series. But remember this. Stay strong and fight the good fight. Your test will become your testimony and your mess will become your message. Amen.